Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poon. This episode 338. Prez is not with me today because he is in Puerto Rico doing uh, some vacation stuff. Uh, must be nice. Not all of us dip out on the season right when it starts. But uh, I guess not everybody's as dedicated to the grind like I am. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Hope Prez has a good time and gets some sun. But we are joined by. Two guests who everybody is familiar with, but they are now the founders of the new podcast coming to you, the Hot Hand Theory Podcast. You know them as Jeffrey Rasmussen, which is at Frank Barrett 119 on Twitter, and Xavier Justin slash XJ, who is XJ Designs on Twitter. XJ, Jeff, how are we doing today? Uh, I'm doing great. Thank you for that amazing introduction. I'm not going to lie. There is a part of me that wishes I could switch places with Prez right now, but <laughs> I'm happy to be where I am. Um, yeah, yeah, just super happy to be on with the pot on the pod and, and talking to you, Shwin, and and teaming up with Jeff here. And as you mentioned, we are starting and have started our, our new endeavor, the Hot Hand Theory, um, is a pod, is a brand, and uh, yeah, we're really excited about it. But but excited to talk here first, talk a lot of Knicks with you, and and chop it up. Yeah. Uh... One of the things me and XJ joke about a lot is we, we find ourselves agreeing from time to time, you know, like we were, we're like, are, are there going to be, you know, we don't, we, we haven't landed on Schwinn what you have, which is, you know, sometimes Stacy will say something and you'll just be like, dude, fuck off, shut, shut up. You know, like we, we, ha- we haven't gotten there yet, but we're, you know, we're, we're, we're slowly but surely finding our way and, and finding things that, you know, maybe we don't see eye to eye, eye to eye on, which is good too. But yeah, super excited to be here. Super excited to, talk next with you guys uh yeah man should be a good one but before we get started do have to make a few announcements the first being that the strickland has a patreon but actually i'm actually not supposed to start with that strickland has a has an instagram which you can subscribe to there wow i'm really fucking this up producer will earn his money this time strickland has an instagram give us a follow that is at strict.line at instagram posting all kinds of new content on there the strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching the podcast. If you are and you've not done so already, please hit like and then subscribe to the pod. That'd be a huge help to us. Also, leave us a comment if you can. Again, that would be a huge help. Strickland also has merchandise. I'm wearing some of it. Jeff is also wearing some of it. You can find that on our website, www.thestrict.land. There's a link that will take you to the merchandise store. You can find t-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, Coffee mugs, water bottles, you name it. We've got it. We've even got new stuff with our new updated logo on there. So if you're excited about that, definitely give it a look. Strickland also has a Patreon. Now we can get to it. The Patreon has a number of different tiers. There's a $6 tier that you get access to Pod Strickland's podcast that I host every Friday with Prez, except this Friday. You also get access to the new pod, Takes from Obvious Bozos, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, alongside Zach Blatter, where they take takes from our own channel in the discord takes from off his bozos and grade them you also get access to 
the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. And now you get access to even more Jeff on Strictly NFL, our new NFL podcast, which he hosts alongside Khan. You also get access to nothing else, actually. You actually, nothing else. You only get access to that. But there are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. There's a variety of additional benefits, like listening to pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not. None of this would be possible without you. And none of this would be possible without BetOnline. Football is back, and BetOnline is your more information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BLEAV to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Um, all right. I, I I know we had some thoughts and plans, but before we do any of that, uh, I did want to start with um, just... Can we just talk about the Mitchell Robinson Jared Allen thing? Can we just talk about that? Because I don't fucking understand that at all. Like, I get if you think they're in the same tier of player. Like, I understand why Knicks fans think like, oh my god, Mitchell Robinson is a thousand times better. And I understand why Cavs fans will be like, oh my god, Jared Allen's a thousand times better. I get that. Okay. What I don't get is how like people who are supposed to be objective, right? As objective as you can be, uh, or I, I guess unbiased parties. How they can look at these two players and arrive at a conclusion where one player is ranked 100, the other being Mitchell Robinson, the other one is ranked 50, being Jared Allen. And I don't say this to say Jared Allen is a bad player. I also don't say this to necessarily say if I was being an unbiased Knicks fan that didn't watch the first round of the playoffs, like if I'm putting on my cap and I'm just like ranking these players by tiers, I would put them probably in the same tier. They're probably around the same tier of player. They're not all-star caliber centers. And don't fucking tell me about Jared Allen's all-star bit. Okay, I don't want to hear about his fucking fake all-star shit, like all-star replacement. That's like, yeah, D'Lo's an all-star. Really? Yeah, is D'Lo an all-star? Can we be real? Okay, like, these guys are not real all-stars. There is no world where Mitchell Robinson is ranked 100 and Jared Allen is ranked 50, and that makes any fucking sense. And if you do think that makes sense, then I do not want to hear about Oh, the context of the series and uh, like the, he just had a bad matchup and blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hear it. If he's 50 spots better than Mitch Robinson, what you are saying is effectively he is two to three tiers above Mitchell Robinson as a player. That's what you're saying. You're saying Mitchell Robinson is a low-end starter and Jared Allen is a high-end starter almost bordering into being an all-star. That's the difference. So if that is the case, you cannot get fucking smacked around for five games in an embarrassing playoff loss, after which you come out and say the lights were too bright. I'm sorry. You cannot do that. That cannot happen regardless of how shitty the, your threes were and, oh, nobody could shoot and fucking Donovan Mitchell actually isn't that good and whatever fucking else you want to say. Like, Evan Mobley peed his pants too. Fine. Like, all this stuff can be true, but if you cannot win that matchup, then you are not 50 spots above the guy that is ranked 100. I'm sorry. You're just not. So if Richard Robinson was ranked 100 and Jared Allen was ranked 99, 
I would be like, that's stupid, but I wouldn't be that upset about it. I probably wouldn't even tweet it about it. Cause I just look at these lists and I'm like, I, I don't, I like, I, I saw like what I think Hart and quickly were like 92 and 91 or something on there. Um, this is the ESPN 100, by the way, anybody that's curious about what this is. Um, and like, I can understand, like, I, I didn't even, do I think those guys should be higher? Sure. Like, but I don't care really. Like, I'm just like, okay, fine. I, I get it. Like, you know, quick had a terrible offensive play, play in the playoffs and, and Hart is like kind of finally on a good team. So he's just getting into this kind of situation where he might get recognized. I get all that. So I don't care about it. Um, and even like the Brunson and Randall stuff, I just assume those guys will not get the credit they really deserve. So whatever. But the Mitchell Robinson thing was just so insane that I like I had to just like and I and the funny thing is when it came out, I was like, a hundred is way too low for Mitchell Robinson. But I assumed when I didn't see Jared Allen from a hundred to fifty one, I just made the assumption, like, oh wow, Jared Allen's gonna be on the list. So like I guess that I get that. And then, lo and behold, I open it up the next day. Who was sitting there right at the fucking top? Jared Allen at number 50. It was unbelievable. Uh, and I just don't understand it. And I needed to get that off my chest. And if you guys want to get anything off your chest regarding that, uh, feel free to do that now. Um, I mean, I will jump in and just say, I think the mistake that you made, Schwinn, is that you made a logical conclusion about an ESPN <laughs> list. <laughs> and you were like, well, if Mitch is 100, then obviously Alan's just not on the list. And I think the three of us probably would conclude the same thing, but this is an ESPN list we're talking about. So, of course, that is not true. Um, I mean, I fully and wholeheartedly agree with you. It doesn't make any sense. And you're actually pointing to something that really gripes me, like... Um, just philosophically, and it's internal inconsistency. So someone might have this paradigm of the NBA where they really value fives that space the floor, a five that can shoot, a five that can, you know, keep the floor spaced out. And they might say, you know, that's really important to me. I think that adds a ton of value to the court, a ton of value to the team. And for that reason, I rank, you know, Cat way higher than Mitchell Robinson or Cat way higher than Jared Allen. You may, we may disagree with that, but at least they're internally consistent to their own paradigm of how they view the game. Now, we have two guys who do similar things um, at a similar level, and the differentiation between them is really down to some minutia. And then you're going to have one at 100 and one at 50. You're now internally inconsistent to your own paradigm of how you view the game. It doesn't make any sense. You cannot, you can't reconcile that perspective. And that's the most frustrating thing to me, because at least if you were like, I value this in a center more and you were just consistent to that, I can say, hey, I disagree with you. But, you know, it, it aligns with the way that you're, uh, you're you're plotting out your list. But they didn't do that. And I totally agree. I don't have too much to add. And, and you know, I let Jeff piggyback off of that. But I think the internal cons- inconsistency is really what bothers me the most. Yeah, uh, a methodology when you're creating any list is just paramount. Like. You know, you see, you see it all the time with the NBA because the NBA is basically fanhood is about creating lists. You know, you see the goat list, like LeBron, Jordan. You know, people people make these lists, and then you have all these other people commenting on the list, but they don't even understand what the the original methodology with behind why they're ranking players the way they rank them in the first place. So how can you have honest discourse about the original list if you don't even know what they're what they're basing their list on? You know, like you see it in football, ranking all-time quarterbacks. Well, are we ranking peak? Are we ranking longevity of career? How are you weighing these things? So 
first and foremost, if ESPN actually wants to add respectability to this list, they'll come out and say, here is what we're weighing and here is the basis of our list. Like, here's what we value. Bring it back to Alan and Mitch uh, specifically. I actually tweeted from our from our Twitter account about Alan and Mitch. And one thing I'm always find myself surprised by is how well Alan rates out, like, in a lot of these uh, advanced metrics. I'm always of the belief that, like, oh, my God, Mitch is, like, the, 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 the advanced metric god. He's going to blow Alan out of the water. Uh, and then I look at it, and I'm like, oh, wow, actually, Alan's, Alan's good. He's a good basketball player. Like, and I, I watch a lot of Cavs. So, like, I'm not surprised he's good, but I'm, like, just more surprised he's considered, like, in the same tier as Mitch in terms of impact. Um I think that I would personally have Allen ahead of Mitch, despite what happened in the playoffs. I know that'll rub some people the wrong way. I like Allen's. I just think that in the biggest moments, I, I like his ability to do stuff around the rim that I don't think Mitch can. Like you see, you see his two man action with Darius Garland a lot, and they trust Allen on the short roll. He's got that nice high low game with Mitchell. Um, I like when Garland draws two defenders and Allen gets a mismatch five feet from the basket. They can dump it into Allen and he can, you know, put the ball on the court, jump hook with both hands. He can do stuff around the rim. That That's my personal preference. I, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying I think that if I was to build a team in a vacuum going into next season, I would give Allen a small edge um, over Mitch. With that being said, the thrust of what Schwinn was saying in his original point putting them so vastly far apart in your rankings, it just is illogical and it doesn't make sense. And that's a joke. And I feel like we should all be able to recognize that. Um, there are a lot more. We, we, we could talk about a bunch of stuff though, with these rankings. Like, I mean, look at all the point guards that they have Jalen Brunson behind. Look at, you know, the, the, the point XJ made about the inconsistency of, the things they seem to be weighing is the main point here. There's no rhyme or reason to anything they're doing. They, they might as well have been the whales from Family Guy, you know, writing random jokes, you know, just throwing shit together in terms of how they're they're putting these guys on the list. And it, do, it just doesn't make any sense, and that, that's the real problem here. Well, I mean, uh, I guess just to address what you said about Allen, you'd give him an edge. Like, I get that. And, like, I actually – I think there's an argument for, like, Mitch can have, like, singular performances that I don't think Allen could have, but maybe your baseline because he has an all-around – a more complete all-around game is steadier. Um, that said, like, I think, one, I don't really give a shit that Allen can, like, get to like 13 usage instead of Mitch being at like nine usage. Cause to me, that's kind of, I don't, I don't know. Like I'm not going to Jared Allen when I need a bucket or something. Right. So to me, like, I don't really care about that. It's not like he's giving you much shot creation. I see the short roll stuff with him, but then I also like watch the playoffs and I'm like, I just think when like, to me, it's not when he, like when he said like the lights are too bright one, I have no fucking idea why he said that, by the way, like that's an insane thing to say. I could not believe that. Uh, second, I, 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 think, thought, I thought it was kind of cool. I, I don't know. I, I, I look. I agree with you. Like, it's weird to see a player say that, but it's it was a rare moment of like not giving a bullshit PR answer. He was actually being genuine. I don't know. I think that should be incentivized. I, there are some things that are genuine that you should just keep to yourself. That would be one of them, I would think. Um, but like, 
but I, I don't think what he was actually saying is like, I was so nervous by like what was happening. I think what he's talking about is like, like we've seen this. I think we saw this with quickly last year where it was like, what, what it means is teams are keying in on tendencies and habits that you have to a level that you're never going to get in a regular season game, right? Like it doesn't matter how intense a regular season game is. Maybe in the, in a fourth quarter, you'll like see a team really, really hammer something, but you're not going to see that like, Every possession is the fucking, you know, it's like Waterloo. Like we're fighting for the last inch here. Like, so it's a different level of intensity. And I think what he's like, that's what he's talking about. And so to me, when I'm watching that series, I'm like, yeah, you mentioned the short role playmaking. To me, I watch that series and I'm like, okay, well, like Mobley can short role playmake and Allen can short role playmake. But when the Knicks were super locked in on that stuff, like it didn't really matter. Like that, it, that they could do those things because you were able to take those away. And that, again, this isn't to say like, oh, now Allen is an incapable or useless playoff player, but it is to me indicative of like being well-rounded does not actually necessarily mean that much. And I would, I feel like Mitch, he he may have a, he like the things that Mitch, like I think we talked about Ariel's quote or his uh, tweet during our post game on, on Tuesday, where he tweeted like, Everything Mitch does well, he's elite at. And the, the the other side of that is like the things that Mitch doesn't do well. He he, it's not like that he does them badly. He doesn't do them. He just doesn't do them. So like he will not shoot a jump shot. He will not like he tried to do like the first time I think I've ever seen him try to do something out of the short roll was this preseason game. Um, it did not go well by the way. Um, but like like he, so he just doesn't do those things. But I'm okay with that because I think. Like, he is, at worst, the second-best offensive rebounder in the league. Like, literally, at the absolute worst, he's the second-best offensive rebounder in the league. He is an elite rim protector. Like, and I know there's all these rim protection metrics out there, and he grades out kind of, like, top 10-ish. But, like, I think if you watch the Knicks play and you look, like, especially last season, you basically had three dudes that were not interested in playing defense in the starting lineup next to Mitch. Okay? And he's, like, covering that up to such a high level. And if you look at Mitch's numbers in like the good defensive lineups with the other good defensive players, all of a sudden that defense is like, holy shit, these guys are playing at a different level. So I think he's an elite rim protector and he's an elite vertical lob threat and he's an elite offensive rebounder to the point that, and, and we will talk about this later in the pod, by the way, but to the point that Eric Spolstra, when we played, when we played that second round series, one of the biggest points of emphasis for them was getting bodies on Mitch as soon as a shot went up. As soon as a shot went up, they made it a point to get bodies on Mitch. And they made it a point to completely take away all of his, any lob chance he had. Anything he had, they just took it away. Yeah, I'd, but, I'd but, argue that Mitch was their number one game plan. The, heat, the, heat's, yeah. the Heat's number one game plan was take, remove Mitch's impact. That's how Spolster yeah. thought they could be. Yeah. And, 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 and to that point, like to me, if I'm thinking about it just in playoff context, Give me the guy that teams are actually, they have to game plan for. And if they don't game plan for him, he can win you a series. Like, I'm not saying he won us the Cavs series individually, but if you're giving out, you know, uh, it's like a, if you're starting to, like, it's not blame, right? It's uh, credit. So if you're apportioning credit to everybody on the team, I think he would get the biggest fucking slice from that series. Like, I thought he was that good. And, like wait, so if you don't game plan for it, he can body you. Or maybe maybe the Cavs do game plan for it, and they're just they need to get in the weight room. But like, 
if you if you, like the fact that Miami game plan for him, it's not just Miami, right? It's like the best coach in the NBA is game planning for him to that degree. That speaks volumes to me about what this guy is capable of and how elite his elite attributes are. So I will take that over Allen being like Allen is a good rebounder. You know, he's a good def- he's a good defensive player. He's a, he's good at all the things that I think Mitch is elite at, and he's better at things. He's way better at things that Mitch doesn't do at all. But like. Give me the elite guy. Like, give me the elite attributes, especially at that position, and especially at their usage. Like, if Allen was a higher usage guy, then I think I would definitely probably veer more towards where you are, Jeff. I yeah. I mean, I, I largely agree with a lot of what you're saying, Schwinn. I, I I do think a couple things. So one, I do think there's a substantial difference between like a 17 percent usage and like a nine percent usage. Like, I I do think that matters because we're talking about a difference between like being fifth percentile in the NBA and being like 40th percentile in the NBA, right? So I think that that's relevant and that is a factor. I think that you kind of touched on all this. Jarrett can do a lot more than Mitch. I agree with you. I would go with the person who does a few things at an elite level than I would go with a person who can do a lot of things really, really well. But I think, and I know we're not really talking about the list per se, but I think that this is really indicative or emblematic of the issue with creating these lists. And and like Jeff mentioned, like the methodology aspect, like when we're saying who's better, what do we mean? Do we mean who would we rather have in a single playoff series? Like, do we mean who's going to provide the most value over the course of an 82 game season? Um, Who's going to be the most consistent? Who can I rely on? Like, I mean, there's so many factors that you have to consider. And if we say any of those things, if we say like the most important factor to us is who's going to provide the most value over the course of an 82-game season, I might go with Jarrett. If we say, who would I rather have in a playoff series who can potentially you know, turn the tide in my direction, I might go with Mitch, right? Like These are two different lists and two different rankings we're talking about. So it just makes it really hard um, to compare in like a really straight-up way. And I think depending on the context, depending on the question you're asking me, I would go with one or the other. I think under no circumstances would I have 150 and 100. <laughs> And, and also, one other thing to consider is, are you talking about who they are, who you think they are as basketball players in a vacuum, or who they are in their exact role? Because impact metrics, most of them capture who these players are in their role. And I think a decent amount of the point I'm trying to make about Allen versus Mitch is that there there isn't really much uh, like meat on the bone for Mitch. Like The Knicks are built to maximize Mitch on both ends of the court. His impact is being perfectly captured because Tibbs has said, I'm going to build this team around Mitch's strengths. Oh, you're a great offensive rebounder. You don't have to do anything. We're not going to let your warts be exposed at all. All you have to do is set screens and crash the offensive glass. Oh, you're this elite rim rim protector. We're going to funnel guys to the rim. We're going to trust. Now, I'm not saying that, oh, anybody can fill in and do that for Mitch. No, he is actually incredibly unique with these gifts. But my point is, is that, there's no like vacuum here. There's no like, oh, he could go somewhere else and actually be doing more. The Knicks are maximizing his gifts. Jared Allen maybe isn't being perfectly maximized in Cleveland. And he is, you know, at least on par with Mitch in terms of what his present impact is. So if you're judging these players in a vacuum, it's reasonable to say, okay, maybe in a different paradigm, actually we could get a little bit more out of Jared Allen. I don't think you can say that for Mitch. Yep, I think that's that's fair. Um, I'm just I'm always gonna roll with with Mitch, um, which whatever I'm biased. Oh no, Knicks fan is biased. Um, 
All right, let's move on uh, to a much much happier discussion here. No, uh, no, actually, quite the opposite of a happy discussion. No, uh, me and uh, me and XJ and Jeff, uh, I mentioned it to them, but like, and and it's look, I personally have felt like the off season is has been great. Uh, the Knicks did two things basically, right? They basically did two things: they traded Obi Toppin and they signed Dante Divincenzo. We've already talked about those things, and we will uh, pour one out for Obi uh, when um, he's averaging 22 points and seven rebounds, running the floor, and the Pacers finish with 42 wins or whatever the hell they do. Um, but like, it's it's been kind of hard when you just look at this team and its rotation and how it should play out. Uh, assuming Tibbs doesn't do the Jericho Sims thing, which I don't think he's going to do. Like, I don't know if you guys saw the thing I posted yesterday, but the heart, he, like Hartenstein kind of made it clear that was not a thing they had worked on at all in training camp. So this is just Tibbs's weird pivot when he doesn't have Josh Hart, which like, hopefully, hey, Josh, just be good. Get back. We need you, buddy. We, we don't, we don't want to watch 1992 NBA basketball anymore. Um, but like, it's been kind of hard to look at his team and be like, well, this is bad or they will fuck this up and this won't be good because it is the same team except you took out Obi and put in Dante and like I think we would all agree that regardless of how you feel about what they're both those players ceiling or whatever all that is in the role that we had Obi playing I, I don't see that as like any significant drop off and quite frankly I think it's an improvement um minor not not a huge one but I do think it's a, an improvement but like I, I think amid this, we have lost uh, our, our our innate ability as Knicks fans to find negatives. And it is time to find negatives. And I think the negatives, we, and very to be very clear, these are not injury-based negatives. Obviously, if we lose Jalen Brunson for an extended period of time, that would be bad. If you lose Julius Randle for an extended period of time, that would be bad. We know these things, right? And apparently, if we lose Josh Hart, it will be really fucking awful because we will have to watch Neanderthal basketball. Um, but what I wanted to discuss is what are we overlooking? Like, really, what are we overlooking? Because, and I, I bring this up because we could go back and we could look. I remember how I felt going into the 2021-22 season. And I was like, man, we took out Alfred Payton. That guy is fucking awful. Brian Kemba, and as bad as Kemba is, he can't be possibly as bad as Alfred Payton was. Uh, and Evan Fournier can shoot, and it's not like Reggie Bullock was that good anyway, so we'll be fine. And we were not fine. We were definitely not fine. Um, there's been less, obviously much less upheaval in key positions, key minutes, loads, um, than what we, what, what we experienced in that season. So what, like, I'll just turn over to either whoever wants to go first, but like, what, what do you, when you look at this roster and, and kind of, Tibbs is the head coach, and we know all these things. Like, what would you be most worried about occurring when the team is healthy? Is it just minutes allocation, or is there like something more specific to it than that? Um, so you asked the question non-injury nightmare scenarios. That that was that was the question yes. you posed. And I feel like the most rational place to start is actually there. And that is that the Knicks had extremely high-end injury luck last season. They were basically perfectly healthy. They had they their their best player Jalen Brunson missed you know ten to fifteen games. I forget what the exact number was 
But again, a, a bit of a break. Their best backup happens to play Jalen Brunson's position. So like Brunson, Brunson missed fourteen games last year. Right. Okay. So I mean, look, I mean, you can we can we can argue, or you can laugh at the assertion that quickly is even close to Brunson. However, you feel about that. But the the metrics say that when in the regular season, when Jalen Brunson goes out and Emmanuel quickly goes in, the Knicks actually aren't really missing a beat. <laughs> They're actually doing better uh, in the regular season. So when you, and, and no, I'm not saying quickly is better than Jalen Brunson. Um, but I'm just saying, you know, when he's on the court, the Knicks are the Knicks are hanging in there and they're doing just fine. Um, so when you factor that in, the Knicks were incredibly fortunate last year with with who they were able to keep on the floor. You know, Julius Randle played every game until, well, apparently he just injured himself because all Heat fans can talk about is how Josh Hart injured Jimmy Butler, and there was there was nothing else that happened between those two teams, nothing else. Bam Adebayo definitely didn't slide tackle quickly. He definitely didn't injure Julius Randle. There, nope, didn't happen. It was just, you know, I digress. The, the, before all that stuff happened, the Knicks were incredibly fortunate. I think a nightmare scenario is, oh, shit, like, they, that actually isn't normal and things are going to uh, regress to the mean next season. And then the other thing is that progression just isn't always linear. That's what we learned in 2021, 2022. I, in my opinion, you could argue that the 2021, 2022 Knicks were a better team than the team be- the year before. Like, obviously they weren't like on paper and what, and, and their wins and losses, but like, if you just break down like the players and where they were at, Aside from Julius Randle, like how could they have not been a better team? But they weren't because that's not how success progression works. It, it's it's more like a roller coaster, and so it just makes way too much sense. Oh, the Knicks they wanted a fifty three win pace when Josh Hart was on the team, or fifty five win, or whatever the hell it was. Every player in the rotation is going to get better. That's how it works. How can they not be better this season than last season? And you know, for football fans out there, as we're seeing with the New York Giants, it does it just doesn't always work like that. So to me, that the nightmare scenario is they're a little bit less lucky with injury with it with with injuries, and then the progression doesn't work like we all logically think it should. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.